0: So last week I started talking about, um, actually the title of the message, right, praise the Lord, is Living for God, right, but yeah, but I had to put some context, you know, helping people to understand that it's not just about living for God, right, because living for God can be very passive, whereby people just think they need to live for God, Lord, I want to live for you, but when we attach a context to it, that you're living for God, in the, uh, you're living for God as a response to His kindness. It's very different. Amen. So you live for God as a response to His kindness. So everything you do is not based on what I... Are we okay? Everything we do is not based on, I just want to live for God from a religious perspective. When you go to church on Sunday, they say, Ah, be committed to God. Do God's work. Look at all of you that you are not serious. You say you are serving God. I'm going to get there in a minute. Well, actually, it's about living for God, but trying to put context into it. Why should you live for God? If you know how good God is, nobody will teach you to give everything to Him. So religion will tell you, will will, will instruct you, will pressure you to live for God. But religion does not show you how good God is. So when when you are taught and you can see the goodness and the kindness of God, just the ways. Husbands and wives whose head is correct. Right? When the wife sees how much the husband loves, she just eats, she cooks him nice meal whether by default. Right? Just help him out by default the way the helps me. I But well, if you are mean and hostile, they will do it by for sometimes when they will add too much salt. They will add the pepper, or they will burn the food. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> because you're not being nice. So, but in a situation, oh Lord, I'm, going, I'm really jumping ahead of myself. So, so, let me allow the Holy Spirit to lead me today because what I'm saying now, the things I want to say towards the end of my teaching. So, but let's let allow the Holy Ghost to lead us. <clears throat> but when people are taught, uh, are being threatened with, a, with, a, with, a, with an angry God who will punish you, right? If you don't serve Him. Right, So people serve God in fear of punishment. And when you serve God in fear of punishment, you cannot develop an healthy relationship with God. It's not possible. So we wonder why people today, they are up, tomorrow they are down. Because their, their service to God is not motivated by love. It's not motivated by a response to love. But we saw in the book of uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Uncle Paul, Brother Paul, Brother Paul said, because it's not my most brother. <laughs> brother Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, by the message of God. I urge you, therefore, in response to the kindness of God. Offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Amen. In response to the kindness of God. Therefore, Therefore, from chapter 1 to chapter 11, in response to God's kindness, you want to serve God? You want to do what God has called you to do? You want to do it well with all excitement, with joy, with no sense of burden? Understand how good God is. Understand how you are made righteous and acceptable to God. is not based on your performance so it's not the other way around it's not that you do something for God or you are serving God and God loves you or bless you Mm -mm. if they told you that they lied to you it is when you when you can truly truly see so we can say that people who are today in and today tomorrow out in serving God in working for God in being interested and involved in what God delights in. Such people, we have not seen, the, we they don't get it yet. I was saying earlier on that there are many things we do not know, even though we think we know them. Amen. Paul said, Necessity is laid upon me to preach the gospel. He said, Warn to me if I do not preach the gospel. You know, Paul did not preach the gospel, was, did not preach the gospel to, to get anything. Or to make God love him. This guy gave his complete self to the gospel when he saw how good and how kind God was. This guy is, this guy was jailing Christians, was consenting to the murder of Christians, and he saw how merciful God saw I mean God was. He said, you know, God showed him mercy. He was the chief of sinners and he, he stated his credentials in how he tried to destroy the church someone would try to destroy the church to obliterate Christianity, sought the goodness and the kindness of God. And he thought, what kind of God is this? I'm going to serve him with everything I've got. Amen. So when we talk about living for God, we get a start with the context of understanding how righteous we are to God on the basis of what he has done, that we don't have any part to play in it other than to believe in the finished works of Christ. Amen. I've just destroyed the kingdom service principle of many churches. And I've just destroyed the sacrifice, sacrificial giving of many churches. I didn't mean to do that. I'm only speaking the truth. Praise the Lord. So I want to talk about that sacrifice. I touched on it briefly yesterday last week. So I'll talk about cr- sacrifice, what a sacrifice is. Romans 12.1. Okay, let's read that Romans 12.1 to get us started, and we can take it off from there. Romans 12:1. It reads, uh, Therefore I urge you, this is the NIV, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now let's look at the Nick King James version. Please, I will want you to follow me carefully. I read this verse of the Bible. Even in my sleep, I can quote it. I know this verse of the Bible so well. But I never saw it the way I'm t- I'm speaking, I'm sharing with you guys. At least like, the first time I came across the scripture must be about 20 years ago. And what I saw last week, I have quoted i have been in places I preached. You know, because I, I preached that verse too a lot. You know, we're gonna come into that maybe from next week. But the way I saw this last week when I was meditating on this was powerful. I was like, ah, excuse me. Amen. Praise God. So Paul is saying what was urging people there. So verse, let, let's read the Nick in James and we go, we go into it. So I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Your reasonable service. Now, what is a sacrifice? According to the dictionary, sacrifice is an act of slaughtering an animal or surrendering a possession as an offering to a deity. So when you kill an animal or you surrender your possession to, in this context, God, hence it ask you to, do co- to come to church and do some you know, I, 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 have to, I have to spiritually bleep that bat out. <laughs> because uh, you let, if I want to remove the bleep, some stupid sacrifice. Amen. So I have to remove the bleep so that I can hear it. It's nonsensical sacrifice. Come and give God money so that I can bless you. They've robbed you. Amen. They've robbed you. Praise the Lord. So, because they want you to come out to surrender your possession to God. Hallelujah. Oh, let's, let's hold it there. Praise the Lord. So, sacrifice is so- slaughtering an animal or surrendering a possession as an offering to a deity. So, Apostle Paul is saying to you that you should offer your body as a living sacrifice. Now, when you look at that, that definition... Of sacrifice it talks about slaughtering, which means you kill something right you kill something but he's asking you not to kill yourself he, he asked you to offer your body as a living which means you're still living you're still breathing so paul did not say you should go kill yourself commit suicide as a sacrifice to god praise god he it was very clear living sacrifice and he even told you to offer Encouraging you. Not forcing you. Praise the Lord. And what's, what's, one, what's uh, sorry. one of the benefits of uh, offering yourself as a living sacrifice is this. So when I, I put it down this way. It's only when we make the total sacrifice of every area of our lives that we begin to see God's perfect will manifest through our lives. Until we sacrifice offer gift to yield to the lord every area of our lives we may not be able to see his perfect will manifest in our lives i touched on that last week talking about referring to our marriages and stuff like that you know yielding our marriages to the lord and and the rest so i want to look at the reasons why people find it difficult to commit to god why they find it difficult to live for God, find it difficult to offer their, themselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So I would summarize all of that as commitment, why people find it difficult to commit to God. One, 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 most preachers have used the wrath of God and fear of punishment to drive people to God. You know, the wrath of God, um, in, this, in the sense of the anger of God, the, fa- the fury of God. <clears throat> They've used this and fear of punishment to, you know, scare, to drive people to, to serve God. And the truth is this. Like I started on, started with earlier on, if your serving God is not motivated by love, you will always struggle and you can't be consistent. You cannot be consistent if your service to God is not motivated by love. Not your love for Him, but first of all, to see how much He loves you. Now, God is not demanding you to love Him of your own effort. He's encouraging you to see how much He loves you so that you can willingly love him in return and it can, you, you both can build a fantastic harmonious relationship. Religion has taught us love the Lord thy God with everything you have, with everything you do, with all your mind, with all your heart. We, they don't even read this in context. So people are trying to love God in their own power. Ah oh, Lord, I want to love you. Ah oh, Lord. And when people think about the love of God that way, loving God, they they look at their own capacity to love because they are angry at themselves in the first place. Angry at their wife in the first place. So if I'm angry at my life, I don't even love myself. I don't like myself. How do I even love God? Because what I am filled with is hate. Many Christians are angry with themselves. They're not happy with themselves. Then you tell them to love the Lord. You're just, you're just destroying their mind, their soul. Because they can't do it. I have not seen any marriage or romantic relationship that is thriving that did not start with one party showing so much love and the other party responding. Which should, first of all, be the guy, in a sense. I get getting me. Somebody started the process showing genuine affection, ideally, right? and the other person responded. Praise God. Why do we want men to be mindful of the compliments they pay women and how they say it? Because when you show affection and the woman starts responding, you say, ah, this woman will not leave me. Ah, But you started the process. Relationship starts with somebody initiating it and the other person responding. And if both of them come together properly, you know, and they love each other, you know, they're on their way. So if in human world, in human setting, that is how things operate. So why do we think contrary of God? God is not demanding you to first come and love him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He started with an expression of his own love. He wants to show you how much he loves you. And until you see it, you cannot respond. Else, so you will try to uh, respond with your own strength and ability. And you will fail. You will struggle. Amen. Religion tries to use the wrath of God, punishment of God, the pure fury of God to drive people to God. It can't work. Hence, people are struggling. It's fighting in church. I used to be part of a church. So they have the cause on people. Lord Jesus, help me. Shall I use the word? Uh, uh, I try try to cover the reputation, but they call them sanctuary cleaners, sanctuary keepers, right? So these are the guys who over and clean the church. Watch this. If a young person is strolling around and wants to help out and takes hold of the vacuum cleaner that another sanctuary keeper left for a while, probably to arrange, arrange the chairs. When the sanctuary keeper comes back and realizes that a single or a young person has taken the vacuum cleaner, get ready for fight. Round one fight! Don't steal my blessing. You will not rob me of my blessing. Serious fight in the church. On top of what? That's a colloquial language. On top of waiting. Vacuum cleaner. Just me understand that one by, by the spirit. On top of it, vacuum cleaner. The, girl was, the lady was just trying to help. But this old woman will fight anybody who would wrestle that vacuum cleaner from her because this is how I get my blessing. And you will not see in the house of the Lord. Who sold you a lie? Is that an expression of love? Is that an expression of the units that Paul teaches us? But who is the the architect or the masterman behind that? The leader of the church, who has wrongly taught the people and drive people to serve God based on what Lord, should I tell them a little bit? Should I tell them? Okay, should I tell them? Friends, many of such churches, the set man of the ministry, have ulterior motive, ulterior agenda. I don't know why the Lord will permit me to say this. Normally, I'll feel uncomfortable and I'll keep quiet. So many churches you see today, to a very much extent, you have no clue of how things have been architectured behind the scene. So when I enter a church and I see all manner of manifestation, I'm not saying churches are perfect, but some strong doctrinal things that lead to a heavy fight, which many pastors also on the podium will come and reward. What I'm trying to say is this. Such actions, right? Even the pastor serving in those church, they come on the podium to reward people for going out of their way, for fighting, for wrestling to receive God's blessing by their service. So when I see all of those practices, and I see it across all leadership, I'm not saying in the in, among congregation, congregants can be funny. They can no, no, no. Congregants can be funny. I've seen some stuff in in my life of ministry, but when leadership. You know, endorses and encourages that behavior. All of that is architectured by the settlement of the ministry, and they have their motive behind it. Amen. So, when people realize that they cannot outdo other people, they can't outperform other people, then they start today, tomorrow they are down. And they, before you know it, they no longer serve God. Because they were not motivated by love. They are motivated by what they can get, or the f- or fear of punishment. Amen. Oh, you want to see? Want to hear another one? You guys have time. Um, I, I, popcorn. You can refill if, if, when your popcorn runs out. Or oh, do you get? There's some drinks on the table there. I hope the guys on on, on Zoom also have some drinks because they are. Movi- I mean, I'm going to be sharing movie stories with you today. Another one is this: If a man or a woman promises to be in church every Saturday to serve to clean the church building before auditorium before Sunday and by for one reason or the other, something happens, something pops up. Something just popped up and they are not able to show up on church on Saturday and they are there on Sunday morning. First of all, condemnation has, ta- has executed them before Sunday. So if by chance, by happenstance, they hear that the work was not done on Saturday, right? and they are there by 5 or 6 a.m. on Sunday morning, and you mistakenly took their hoover. Ha! Or you did not get to church on time as a, as a janitor to open the key to, cupboard to the the, cupboard to the, to the lockers to get the hoover. Ha! Then you know that Mike Tyson and Vander and Holyfield, the battle did not end in the boxing ring. See fight, serious fight, arguments in the church. It tells us that people do not know the girl we're talking about. But do you know the man who did did not come on Saturday can come in on Sunday with a heart of, like, I need to get this thing done because for the right reason and get blessed? Amen. Not come with. Fear of punishment. If I don't do this, I am finished because I don't know how God will punish me. Maybe with sickness or something with my, in, my, in the life of my children or my family. Guys, I'm not making these things up. I, know I've been in, I was in this setting for over a decade. I know what I'm talking about. Maybe not so, up to 10 years. When? Uh, maybe like 7 years. Yeah, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Amen. So another reason why people don't commit to God is because uh, <clears throat> some people are, 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 are used to the condemnation of the clergy. So until the clergy says to you, you call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a Christian and you're not church, on, you're not church in the morning to clean the church. So that sort that, that of condemnation, some people are so used to it. So until pastor comes and say, and all of you call yourself a Christian, they feel guilty, they feel condemned, then they go back and walk. And when that condemnation wears out, then pastor bring another condemnation. Then they, they serve, it wears out, and then people are not consistent. And look at it most of the time, um, virtually in all cases, God is out of the picture because the people are not on a journey with God. It's about do, church I get. Amen. Because of our time, I'm going to move fast a, a little bit. Another of the reason why people don't come, f- find it difficult to come into God is because of a sense of unworthiness. Especially when they fall short of attaining expected levels of performance demanded by religion. I'll repeat it. Sense of unworthiness especially when they fall short of attaining expected levels of a performance demanded by religion. What it means is this. If the set man of the ministry or their mentor or the prophet tells, tells them, this is what you must do for God to bless you. You have to do this, this, and this to this degree. When people, based on their capacity or their situation, are not able to measure up to that standard, they just feel unworthy that God cannot even... They can't, they, they, no, no, they, they are not fit for God. They are unworthy of God. Amen. They just feel they are unworthy. So they don't even make an effort. It gets to a point people are just tired and they just pull out of church because it's too much. Friends, you cannot serve God successfully in your own strength. You have to be motivated by love and that love will give you some energy and strength to do things you don't think you can do. You know people do stupid things because of love. I have been there. <laughs> things that you will not naturally do for yourself. But because you love this lady, <laughs> Uncle my God bless you. I know you are I, I your witness. You're, you're <laughs> <laughs> things that you things that you, you cannot do by your strength. Oh Lord, oh Lord. Some single people have done some stupid things. They will cook, they they, ha, they are going to class the following day or they're going to work the following day. But because this guy is at is a home, maybe he's sick or something, they will cook overnight. And what they will never do for themselves, even for their parents, but because they're in love, they will cook. They will take the six o'clock train or five o'clock train. They went to bed around 1 a.m., but they are off by five because this guy must eat. He's sick. They don't want him to die. He's the love of their life. They will, they will take the train to his house, set things up, and head to work. And in the middle of the day, they are dozing, but, but to them, it's for a good cause because they are in love. <laughs> Tony, you are laughing. <laughs> I'm sure you've not, uh, <laughs> you are not. <laughs> they love. So imagine someone loves God like that. They will go out of their way to do anything. Amen. And that point is that um, unhealthy comparison with other believers. Unhealthy comparison with other believers. So let's turn our Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Let's chapter 10, verse 7. 2 Corinthians. Ten. Seven. Uh, Let me try the Nicky and James. Let me see how they read this. So do you look at things according to the the outward appearance? Let me check the NIV. Let me see. how I like how NIV puts that. It says, NIV now, it says, you are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as as much as they do. So even if we boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down. Now, that verse 8, right? I like it in your Bible. When you get back home, read, meditate, and think over it. And we can catch up in one of our Bible study sessions. Verse 9. I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For some say, watch this, watch this. For some say, verse 10. For some say, his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person, he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realize that we are in in our letters when we are absent. Sorry. That what we are in our letters when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. Amen. Uh, Then verse 12 says, We do not compare, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. Let me, take it to, let me take that verse 12 to Nick and James because it's shorter. Uh, verse 12 says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Sometimes, um, I, I don't like how NIV takes out some words in the, um, you know, to paint it. Don't, don't try to be nice. The Bible says they that compare themselves by themselves they are not wise. But if you look at verse 11, you can see that Paul was not an eloquent speaker. From the the New King James, it says, Let such a person consider this that we are... Is it that one? Uh, No, verse 10. Thank you. Verse 10, it says, For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Do you know why many Christians are not as effective in, in committing to the Lord or working with the Lord? because they don't, they don't have the swag, like many pastors do. They don't have the height, they don't have the look, they don't have the eloquent, eloquence. Because there was a day I was listening to some guys, and they speak so nicely. I was so fascinated by how they speak, but they were speaking nonsense, right? And I took them, I was listening to their message and I was taking them upstairs. I was just fascinated by how they speak, how they were marshalling words and stuff like that. And Dolomé was the one who brought me back to my sense and said, what are they saying? I was like, eh? that's true, what are they saying? Then I listened again, I said, this guy is saying nonsense. But I was just carried away by the eloquence of their speech. So if I, as a pastor, could be carried away by the eloquence of some people, but how much more you are you other people who are not pastors like me? They were saying nonsense. But look at what they said here. They said, for, for his letters, they say, are witty and powerful. Those guys' words were not witty and powerful. But it, just, it was eloquence, nice to hear. Sadly, many Christians are falling for eloquence, not for witty and powerful. When I say witty and powerful, anointed, inspired by the Holy Ghost. Because it's the Spirit of the Lord that generates power through the Word of God. It's the Spirit of the Lord who works change in the life of people. So when someone comes and tells you, oh, hallelujah, the Lord is good, you know. You know and in, in the 21st century, now the, the God of that time, of that dispensation, is a God who took the children of Israel and they start vibrating at you. You say, mm, mm. I've seen people send me messages of, <laughs> Thank you, my sister. I've seen people send me messages of their pastor who was telling them about some things about eagles, about this. I'm thinking, wait, 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 wait. You spent 45 minutes to one hour of people's life teaching them about eagle, animals, and birds. Birds. You wasted their life. You wasted the anointing in the atmosphere. To tell to talk to them about some people, money, you know, how to become a millionaire in the 21st century. On Sunday, in Sunday service. And there's so many. Bring people in. I mean, I've seen this on YouTube. Bring people into the church and people are screaming, young people, what a waste of life. You make them feel good. You glorify their flesh. You make them feel better. You make them feel excited. And deprive them and rob them of the power and the life of God which is able to change their life. Yeah. On a Sunday service, you're bringing comedian. Some I don't want to mention their name into Sunday service to make the people laugh. Then there's no power in your in your life and in that church for you to think you can bring some dumb, ungodly, filthy mounted comedians to entertain the church. Ah, we have a problem. They said of Paul here now. Not those things. They look good. That's what I'm trying to say. They look good now. An innocent and naive pastor or preacher will look at those things and aim for those things. So they lose their sense of commitment. They are derailed. They go off track. Especially if their mentor is derailed and start doing those things. Friend, your your loyalty to your mentor, spiritual father, should only last as long as they follow Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. The moment they stop following Christ the essence of your followership has expired. Change course. If your spiritual father, your anybody you follow, the moment they stop following Christ, and you, uh, you pray for them, you bring their attention to it, and they do not change, and they, still, they are still doing, the, I mean, they've completely gone in for the flesh. It's time to change course, because why, why were you following them in the first place? Because they follow Christ Jesus. So once they change course, once they change lordship, your following should change. Simple. Unless you two don't longer want to follow Jesus. Praise the Lord. So they that compare themselves by themselves are not wise. Friends, we have different grace, different ability, different talent. You have to walk with the Lord to discover what he has put on the inside of you. Go and read Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. To discover what God has put on the inside of you and find out how He wants to walk through you. What does He want to do through you? How does He want it to function? Don't envy the sister that can sing on the altar. You want me to expose choir a a little bit? I will not say that because I'm going to have a worship team too so that um, they don't start running. But I've been among worship teams that... Um, when one horrible, ungodly, dirty song, when the tune came out, over 70% of them ran to the dance floor, throwing their backside, worshipped him of a powerful, well-recognized church. So you are, he- you are envying people which, with all due respect, what they are delivering does not, is not witty and powerful. You know, the part of maturity in Christianity is for you to be able to hear what is powerful and life coming out of a person, as opposed to what they are singing, the tone of their voice, and now how nice a microphone voice they have? Anybody, op- when you go to the opera and go to people can sing, people can sing. So what what differentiates singing in the church and singing in the world? Witty and powerful. But not all of us can hear. No, no, no. You say a when, when vocals is not that great, you are not well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking. anybody who, who relates and estimate the person in church because of their, of their vocal, not the life coming out of them. They, 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 we, need to, we need to start them on the journey of um, transformation. So and a sister who is heavy in the Lord, still working on her ability to communicate and engage people through singing, then really herself because one sister who is applauded by the entire church has this vocal. And when pastors are actually talking, this even annoys me, right? So you can say I'm taking the pass now, but that's fine. When they sit down to say, so no, that girl can sing. But what about the life? I've not heard you talk talk. Yes, so you know, when that lady sings, I hear life. Comparison with one another will hinder you from working with the father. It ain't your business what the other person is doing. Figure out your own place. Are you a toe? Are you a finger? Are you, are you a arm, an arm? Are you a leg in the body of Christ? What part does he want you to play? Find it and play it well. In response to how much you know God loves you, give yourself to it to serve the Lord. Praise the Lord. I've said to you share shared with us yesterday that all of these things I've talked about, Paul said it's a reasonable service. Basic. It's just fair. It's not something extraordinary. It's just basic. Every Christian, the basic thing, the basic, the most basic thing to do as a believer is to live your life for God. It's not not for people like me or the clergy. No, no, those ones are called. No, no. Every one of us, the basic thing, because Jesus did not die for the clergy. He died for everybody. So the most basic, don't think it's extraordinary. You know, know, some men of God will come and tell you, (laughs) you know, I serve the Lord. I pray six hours a day. Congratulations, sir. I pray ten hours a day, a day. Congratulations, sir. When I read the Bible, sometimes I do ten hours. You guys cannot do that because it's not your level. Congratulations, sir. And why are you telling us about it? Thank God you, you have the grace. You have the time. It's not your fault because you're paying. You, because time is paying you, paying your salary, so you can see a manner of nonsense to the people who are doing the work. It's not your fault. Don't tell them I told you. But it's true. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so this, as I wrap up the journey begins here guys right. there have to be a starting place and I believe we are taking, it, we're, we're, we're taking things further so if you, are, if you are not already on the journey the journey starts here question how are you going to respond to the goodness and the kindness of God discovering what is on the inside of you what talents, abilities has he given you what is he calling you to do in his body how is he calling you to bless other members of the body of Christ the journey starts here so when Paul says living sacrifice, right, it's kind of t- it's kind of telling you that, you see, you, you, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to be, keep crawling up the altar. You will make mistakes, right? anytime you make mistakes, make it cost you know just cost correction, change course, go back to Him. Things will distract you in this world. So if you think or believe if you think you're being so committed, very committed to God and you've gone over the, the rail, don't feel condemned. What you need to do is just to go back, amen. You know, Paul's speaking in Romans chapter twelve, verse eleven. He said, "Never be lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord." So Paul is saying that it's your responsibility, my responsibility, to keep our zeal. Don't wait for a pastor to come to to help you to be zealous. Mm, it won't work. That's why it doesn't last. You have to intentionally think through these things to say, asking yourself, how. I I going to work on myself that I'm not lacking in zeal? But let me tell you, until you really understand the love of God, the goodness, the kindness he has towards you, your zeal will be up today. Tomorrow is down. And stop rolling with people who are into Christianity for what they want to get. Stop it. You will not last. You will not live a consistently effective Christian life. Because evil companionship, evil association corrupt good manners. It will rub off on you. I was speaking to one minister, one young minister, and they started talking about cars and from a covetous perspective. And I realized that my mind started thinking that that's not a good idea, that's not a bad idea. I said, no, I don't want to talk to this guy anymore. Don't infect me with your covetousness. I don't want. I know pastors who are so materialistic. I don't want them in my life because it can rub off on me. I don't want. Thank God I have my wife who will call my attention and say, ah, bros, how far? I don't want. I have people who, call, who, who believe that they are my mentors, who think they are my spiritual father, which they are not. But they're so materialistic, so I distance myself far from them. I don't want, don't corrupt me with your covetousness, with your, with your covetousness. That's a better way. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we got a blast off. Praise the Lord. I've, I've said that, that don't feel, don't feel condemned if you feel you are derailed. And then, say please, I want to shut down with this. Don't think that serving God diligently, wholeheartedly is unattainable. Don't think it's unattainable. Don't think it's so far off that you cannot you cannot be that. No. One step at a time. What can you do every day to improve on the day before? It's that simple. It might be a five minutes or one minute thing that you do. Even if it's prayer, okay, I prayed for five minutes yesterday. Can I pray for six minutes today? any more time with god okay next week last week in total i pray for 30 minutes can i do 35 minutes today it's a journey paul said he has not arrived he said but one thing he does he's striving he presses on towards the goal for which god has called him in christ jesus praise the lord let's bow our head for prayer father we thank you for this one name of the lord jesus we thank you for your word that's come to us to bless us we thank you holy spirit we thank you for how you're guiding us lord i pray for this church family that will be strengthened with might in our inner man and our heart to be fired up by your love, that our heart will see much more what you have called us to do, what you have called us to be. And I pray that our heart to be stirred up in the name of the Lord Jesus to start taking those steps, to be decisively committed to you, to walk with you so that our relationship with you can be much stronger and deeper such that the enemy cannot derail us or deceive us, because our heart is in need for you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray for uh, clearer vision, clarity of vision as the people begin to seek you, you know, concerning their life. I, 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 I rebuke confusion of the enemy in their lives in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I speak clarity, 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 clarity in the name of Jesus. That they are high, the highs of their understanding, the highs of their heart will be enlightened. They will seek with clarity what you want to do through them and how you want them to do it. I pray for resources. I pray for people who will support them, who will guide them, who they they can build community with. Where iron sharpens iron. to do what you have called them to do. I pray that the people, names will start coming to their minds in the name of the Lord Jesus. Their, 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 Their steps will be ordered in the right direction in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that even as a church family, as we enter into a new phase uh, in this year, that we will bear so much fruit and our fruit will remain in the name of Jesus. Stories of life change, uh, lives that we have touched, stories of life change as a result of the impact of our life on those lives, in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for wisdom. I pray for wisdom, 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 to manage our lives and our responsibilities. I pray that we will be able to Dig into your supernatural strength to do these things. Not more, not complain, but to begin to experience your supernatural ability. Find expression in us as a found expression in Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Fantastic.